Steelers fans, I get it. You don't want Mason Rudolph to be your starting quarterback. You really don't want him to be your starting quarterback. You think, how can the Steelers hope to compete if he is your starting quarterback? Let me tell you something about what's going on with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mason Rudolph's not guaranteed to be the starting quarterback by any means. But if he is, there's one way this team can still be competitive with him on the roster. And I know that some of you might be thinking that's crazy talk. But there's some interesting numbers, statistics, and context that would be applied to the situation that might change your tone about how you look forward at a 2022 Steelers season with either Mason Rudolph or an equivalent rookie or veteran quarterback that the Steelers sign in free agency. I'm Chris Carter, the Lockdown Steelers podcast. Joining me today will be Josh Taylor of KDKA-TV. We'll be talking about that aspect, the historical references that are important here, and also how it really could be possible the Steelers are building something that will allow for at least one year of Mason Rudolph. It's going to be a fun show. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things of the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, you can find this show on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, and YouTube. Hit the like button on this video if you're watching on YouTube. Hit the, the subscribe button to our YouTube channel to get all of our daily content. Remember, you can help this show out even more by giving us a five-star review with a positive comment on Apple Podcasts. Doing so, both of those gets you a shout at the end of the show. We thank you for making us your first listen every day. Joining me today is our recurring guest, our guy that we love all the time, Josh Taylor, KDK TV. 93.7 the fan all things that he's famous for josh how you doing i'm good man it's a it's another dad day for me just um little man's taking a nap right now got done Listen. making my, my brunch for the day so i'm just i'm kind of just enjoying the, the moment for the time being you posted the cutest picture of, of your son <laughs> when, when he flipped all that food on his face and he just oh, had man. to look like well that happened and <laughs> Yeah, mom. Mom made a rookie mistake. She was feeding them, and she turned her back for one second to go get something, and she left the ball too close, and he got into it. So yeah, that was that was a rookie mom mistake. Uh, it, 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 was, it, it was adorable. I I, yeah. I I couldn't help but laugh when I saw that picture because I think everyone that's our parents have a picture, a baby picture of us doing that at some point oh, in yeah. time in our lives. Um, it, it's can, so cool because it's part of the journey for me. That's kind of why I do it. I mean, I know some people are kind of leery about putting their kids. On social media for me and my wife particularly it, it was an interesting journey to get to this point because we mm-hmm. have been trying for a while to you know conceive and had our issues but you know thankfully and we're we're blessed to say that it happened for us so now we this is part of our appreciation of the journey if nothing else is to give other people hope like hey this can happen for you too just you know stay positive linear support system and you know just try to enjoy it around as much as you can Absolutely. You can follow all that great stuff, that great, adorable content and wholesome content at Josh Taylor HD on Twitter. He does a great job there. But Josh, let's talk about some Steelers football. Now, I talked about this briefly with Tony Serino yesterday on the show, um, you know, talking more about Kevin Colbert's words and what was what was going on. I did a little bit West, too, but I want to talk to you more about Mason Rudolph because. Kevin Colbert didn't say that Mason Rudolph was bona fide the Steelers starting quarterback next year. What he said was, if the season were to start today at 5-4-1 and one as a starter, he would be our guy. 
but he didn't say that they're locked into him or anything like that. And that caused all sorts of panic around the world. You saw Ryan Clark say that they're not the same Pittsburgh Steelers that I know or fans love if they go into next season with Mason Rudolph at the quarterback position. And I'm just like, man, like these are some strong takes here. But Josh, I, I look at, you know, I, I look at I look at the Steelers and how they're building. And we've talked about this before. The Steelers of 2022, at least at least that team. They're a team that has a lot of needs on different on, on both sides of the ball. The offensive line needs to be reformed. The defense needs to be needs to be added to. They need to get this defense. Whoever the quarterback is going to be of the future, they need to get this defense back to being a top tier unit. They have if if they don't go and get an expensive quarterback, they ha- they will have the salary caps to do to t- salary uh, cap to do that. If they don't spend. If they don't trade up to get one of those quarterbacks they like in the first round, they'll have several picks to have opportunities to help with both of those those cases. This is why we're saying that Mason Rudolph could be a starter. And, you know, Kevin Colbert said, hey, we're bringing in four QBs, you know, Mason, Dwayne. And it's like and if you've been listening to this podcast or watching this podcast for months, I've been saying this since like November. The best case that I think for the Steelers that they have is Mason, Dwayne, a rookie and a vet. And you bring those four guys in and you're looking at uh, you're looking at a good camp competition and not a guarantee for Rudolph, but a situation he would have the inside track being the experienced guy. But Josh, my whole point here is this isn't some death knell to the organization if Rudolph is just a bridge quarterback for a year. Am I off base in saying that? No, and I need people to learn the difference between a choice and a lack of options. Mm. Like when Kevin Colbert said if the season started today, he would be our guy is because he's pretty much the only guy under contract right now. That's not because they have just completely written off Dwayne Haskins. It's not because they haven't decided. That's not because they've decided they're not going to try to trade for or a, for a veteran or sign one. It hasn't been said because they're not going to draft a rookie. It's because he's the guy they have right now. That's why he qualified it and said it if the season started today. Yes. That's what the qualifier was. That's not a choice. It's a lack of options at the moment. That can change in a month after free agency has begun. That can change within a couple of months after the mm-hmm. draft is come and gone. That can change even going into training camp if, if someone's a salary cap casualty between now and then. I know people don't want to hear this name, but if the Colts decide to move on from Carson Wentz, that becomes a reality. <laughs> I, don't shoot the messenger. Wait, I'm wait, just wait. saying it's out there. Before you keep going, I gotta ask. So we we have we have two hype trains that have been built right now on the Lockdown oh, Steelers podcast. Uh, Tony Serino is leading the Trubisky train. He yes. is hashtag Trubisky train. Mark Caboli is leading the Wentz wagon right now. So if you had to pick between those two, are you Trubisky train? Are you Wentz wagon? Or is there someone else that you want to start a hype train for? Oh, man. It's like saying one in the gut and one in the head. Um, <laughs> now, bear in mind, bear in mind, Caboli came on my radio show and did the same thing, too. I was scrolling for Paul Zeiss. He said the same thing about Carson Wentz. Um Only because it would be the better option for them as far as resources are concerned. I, and I can't believe I'm saying this. I might have to go with Tony right now. Whoa! I never agree with Tony. Whoa! Tony, Tony, my man. You know I love you, but like, I can't. I can't believe it. I think, <laughs> I think Mitch Mitch Trubisky would be the better option, only because he's going to cost you less against the cap over the life of the time he would have him here. Now, Mark Caboli made a great argument. You can bring in Carson once in the trade. 
you hope the Colts pick up some of the salary and you get them on, you get them for pennies on the dollar and there's no guaranteed money the two following years. So if you don't want them, you get rid of them and there's no, there's no risk. Mm-hmm. That's a very strong argument. But as far as the quality of play from the quarterback, that might be a wash. Maybe one might have the slight edge over the other, but for mm-hmm. what you're giving up for the opportunity cost, I'll take Trubisky because there's a lot less risk with maybe some possibility for reward. If that makes sense, like it would cost less to make that Mitch Trubisky move no, as opposed I, to maybe I, taking I, a greater I, risk with Carson Wentz. Now, now at the risk of some, some fans might've already turned off the podcast because they're sitting <laughs> like, are these guys really talking about Mason Rudolph and Carson Wentz and Mitch Trubisky? They want us to suffer and listen, Steelers fans. I, I, I hear you. We're not saying that these are the definitive guys. But the reason we're talking about this is because the way the Steelers are built right now, the way that they, the players that they have that are under contract and look to be part of the core that they're putting together and the salary cap openings that they have and the things they need to do, there is an opportunity to make the Steelers at one of the NFL's premier teams and in, in perennial threats again in short order. Now, the short order might not mean 2022, but it might mean 2023 or 2024. And if you'd rather, and what we're saying here is that the formula that we're going to propose that over the next two segments here, that might even, it might have to involve Mason Rudolph at least for a year, but that formula might be a much better, a much surer bet than, say, trading for Aaron Rodgers, giving up two first-round picks, giving up the salary cap space that you finally have, and passing up on the opportunity to build an elite defense and a very good offensive line, which both of those two things could get you some opportunities that we've seen not just the Steelers in the past take advantage of, but other, other teams this year. And other teams in the past of the NFL. I want to talk to more about Josh. Talk more to Josh about that in the coming segments. We got a lot to talk about today because it's going to be a fun show. But first, I got to talk to you guys about BetOnline.net. With football season over, basketball season is full steam ahead with both pro and college hoops well underway. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline reigns the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to down, uh, down to Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today and use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action at BetOnline, where the game starts. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Josh Taylor of KDKA-TV. We're talking more about why the Steelers could survive with a Mason Rudolph in the build there. Also, just want to give you guys a, a shout-out slash a, a heads-up, you know, or a, or a recommendation here. If you enjoy this show and you enjoy conversations about maybe more NFL teams, we have the Locked On NFL podcast available for you on the same platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, and YouTube. If you really, We, we could really use your support by going to the YouTube page of locked on nfl subscribing there and there you won't just get steelers talk you'll get all the nfl talk and that'll include me we have different hosts all throughout the week monday monday through friday i host with uh, i host with your boy q the host of locked on raiders every friday every friday so if you want to check me out there you can do as well but also we bring on guests for every show throughout the week so sometimes i'll be on a monday or a tuesday or a wednesday uh pending pending on the day and what the if the steelers are our main topic that day uh, and we also have several experts that come out with their own clips uh 
and, and guys, you know, former NFL players that come out and give their information there. So it's a great channel to subscribe to. Go, go, subscribe to. go to the Locked On NFL YouTube page, subscribe, and check out our videos there as well. Now, Josh, back to the topic at hand with the Pittsburgh Steelers and with, you know, Mason Ruff. Again, we're not here to say that Mason Ruff is the answer. He's not the guy. But the Steelers might not need the guy right now. Exactly. Get your saw out, fans. Because uh, <laughs> that's what Josh is doing in the background. But um, the Steelers might not need the guy right away. Eventually, you do want the guy. Like, I'm not saying the Steelers can just live with, you know, mediocre to bad quarterbacks for the, for the rest of eternity. That's just not what I'm saying here. What I am saying, though, is if you had to choose between putting a good quarterback on a roster that has a bad offensive line and basically the same roster as last year without with, with less chances to improve because you didn't spend your salary cap on the, on those, on filling those spots and you didn't, and you probably gave up draft picks to get that quarterback. Would you rather have that option with that new veteran quarterbacks, very limited window of probably the next three to four years. You know, if you're talking Aaron Rodgers, you're probably talking one or two years. Would you rather have that? Or would you rather do what you did in the early 2000s in setting up the, the 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 run that you had with Ben Roethlisberger in his early years by making a really good offensive line? Even though some people might think, well, the 2008 team had a bad offensive line, but that 2005 team had a very good offensive line, a great offensive line to even say, led by Alan Fanica, Jeff Hardings, and, and those guys. But that, that team had an offensive line, it had a ground game, and it had an elite defense. And that's what we're saying the Steelers could do right now. They could put that together if they focus on that. But it means sacrificing the quarterback spot for at least a year. Now, you mentioned 2008, 2005. Mm-hmm. I'll take it back even further. Let's go Ooh. back to 2001. Okay. Let's go back to that team. Because the 2001 team had a lot of stuff you mentioned. Really mm-hmm. good offensive line. Yep. Really good defense. That was third in league in points allowed. Number one in total defense. They were also number one against the run. That defense was. That 2001 defense was really good. Really good running game. They were number one in the league in rushing. They were number two in, and they were, don't say number two in rushing touchdowns. And they were third in total yards. That offense had a Hall of Famer at running back in Jerome Bettis. That Mm -hmm. was a really good offense. That team got to the AFC Championship game. Now you can make the case that, yeah, they played against New England and a bunch of things didn't go their way. And you want to throw the the Spygate stuff in there if you want to. Mm-hmm. And if you want to go down that rabbit hole, by all means do so. That's not the route I'm trying to go. The route I'm trying to take is that team had a lot of things in place. And we're talking 2001. They didn't put a team together to get back to the AFC Championship game again until 2005. What was the difference between the two? The second time around, they had a quarterback. Now, granted, they had a couple. They had a couple of playmakers on defense too, because that team two years later also drafted Ike Taylor and Troy Polamalu in the same draft. That's mm-hmm. worth mentioning. But then the year after that, they got the quarterback. But they had a mm-hmm. lot of things already in place, so this team got to the doorstep. They didn't necessarily get across the finish line, but they got on. They got to the threshold, and if you can get to the threshold, sometimes anything can happen. And I say that. Because the 2001 Steelers got to the threshold. But I can think of at least nine other teams that got to the Super Bowl and got across the finish line with all those things in place that we talked about. Really good defense. Good, not great, not Hall of Fame caliber quarterback. Mm -hmm. But good, capable quarterback that didn't screw it up. Nine teams have done that in the last 40 years. So we're talking about a little bit more than 20% of the time. 
when the Super Bowl is played, a team has won it that had a good defense and good, but maybe not great, not Hall of Fame caliber quarterback. Those nine teams, and descending order from the most recent, I'm not counting this past season because it just happened and the, the, the discussion around Matthew Stafford may change in the next couple of years because the Rams have a pretty good roster in place. The 2017 Eagles, the 2012 Ravens, hmm. the 2002s with, with Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco, the 2002 Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which, by the way, Mike Tomlin was the secondary coach on that team. I might get back to that team in a minute. The 2000 Ravens, the 91 Washington uh, Washington Redskins at the time, the 1990 Giants, Washington again in 87, the Bears in 85. People tend to leave that team out because we look at the defense and the offense. eh, It was okay, but the defense drove the bus on that team. Washington in 82 being the, the, the oldest one of that group. Now, you break all these things down, and what what do those nine teams have in common? Chris, you and I have had this discussion a lot about this 2021 team, about the one thing they had going for them is that they had a positive turnover margin, and they were good at holding teams under 20 points a game. And they did that in 10 of the 17 regular season games they played last season. So those nine teams, I start crunching some numbers. I'm like, I wonder if there's a trend here. I wonder if there's a theme. Of those nine teams – Eight of them were in the top six in the league in scoring defense. Wow. The only one that wasn't was the 2012 Ravens. They were 12th. Mm. Then I looked at turnover margin. Of those nine teams, eight of them had positive turnover margins. Six of them were in the double digits. Wow. Only one team had a negative turnover margin, and that was the 87 team from Washington. Now, if you want to discount 82 because they only played nine games, they were coming off of a strike. Fine, you can set that team to the side, but they still fit the argument on both of those levels. So then we started talking about the record. We were talking about the Steelers when they held teams to 20 points or less and has a, had a positive turnover margin. We had that discussion, right, regarding last season. Well, here were the records when those nine teams did the exact same thing. Eagles were 5-0 mm. in, eight, in 2017. The Ravens in 2012 were 8-0. The 0-2 Bucks were 11-2. The 2000 Ravens were 11-2, which – Really good defense, both of those teams. Washington in 91 was 10 and 1. The 1990 Giants were 10 and 1. Washington in 87 was 6 and 1. The 85 Bears were 13 and 0 when they held opponents under 20 points and had a positive turnover margin. And then Washington in 82 was 5 and 0 with that shortened season. But that theme was recurring. Really strong defense. Keep the other team off the scoreboard or at least minimize it and have your quarterback not screw it up and your offense just be efficient enough to score points. All nine of those teams did that, and they were wow. all pretty productive when that when that particular thing happened, as opposed to the Steelers, which also had a pretty good record when they kept teams under twenty points and had a positive turnover margin. In fact, they were eight and they were eight and zero when they did so. Um, you know, they, when they either tied or won the turnover battle while holding a team to 20, 20 points or under. Now, I know some people might say, but but Chris and Josh, come on, I mean, they can't do that again can they like who can do that you know more you oh, know, every, but they already have because in 2019 they did it seven times when devlin hodges and mason rudolph were quarterbacking in 2020 even when ben was playing well they were they were they did it six times that year and again 2021 all these teams that they put together none of them had the opportunity that the Steelers have with the salary cap coming up to make major additions to their defense. They did it with just home growing their defense, Cam Hayward, Stephon Tuitt, uh, you know, when they drafted Devin Bush, uh, you know, 
going out and signing Joe Hayden free agents. They did get a Steven Nelson, but Steven Nelson wasn't no upper tier guy. He was like a decent signing who worked out really well for a couple seasons. Mike Hilton, a homegrown guy, uh, you know, guys like that. And then you did trade to get a Minka Fitzpatrick. But again, you're talking about this past year with the worst rushing defense, with the injuries that they had. If two, it comes back, great, you got him. If not, you use his cap space to add to this equation. But you have an opportunity to go get a top-tier cornerback to replace uh, Joe Hayden and Akella Witherspoon and maybe even bring back one of them to add to that. You have an opportunity to go get another linebacker to pair with Devin Bush to have a better linebacker pair. You have an opportunity, if Stephon Tewitt's not coming back, use some of that money, get a, get a, a defensive tackle, even if it's for just a year, or get one in the draft that can apply right now. You have lots of space to make those kind of moves to actually be and commit to being that defense instead of kind of gradually working your way into it like they have for the past 20 years because that's just what they've had to do when when you have a quarterback on your on your payroll and to, to augment what you're saying you talk about the homegrown guys on those defenses it still put them in position with the few times they had to dip into free agency even in past years they were able to dip in and get a james farrier they were yes. able to dip in and get a ryan clark they were able mm-hmm. to dip in and get a corner here and there, they were able to dip in and, and bring in a Mike Logan. They were yeah. able to get pieces that still fit where they were looking for. Now, with all those teams I mentioned that won Super Bowls without a Hall of Fame quarterback, I had to have a control group, right? So I yes. used the two Steelers teams that most recently won Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. The 2008, 2005 teams, not very different. Number the 2008 team was number one in scoring defense, and the 2005 team was third. Both teams had positive turnover margins. In 08, when they held teams to 20 or less and had a positive turnover margin, they were 11 and 1. And in 05, they were 9 and 1. The, the formula stands the test of time. But that's with having a quarterback who's going to become a Hall of Famer in Ben Roethlisberger. But the, the premise still remains the same. If you can keep teams off the scoreboard and still control the football and take care of it and score points consistently enough, you can win football games. It's how they became a playoff team last season. But now, if you can upgrade that defense, like you mentioned, refortify the defensive line to what it should have been this past season without two of your starters injured, refortify that offensive line so you can control the ground game more, which, by the way, controlling the ground game with the ball, what does it do? It keeps the ball out of the other team's hands yep. and gives them less opportunity to score. Possession's nine-tenths of the law, especially in football. So all of that adds up to creating the same formula where you have the ball in your possession, the other team doesn't. So you have higher potential to score and they don't. You're keeping them off the scoreboard and you're have, uh, you're putting yourself in better position to win football games. Are we saying that it's the end all? No. But if you're going to be successful as a team that doesn't have a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback or a quarterback, at least in the discussion, if you can get competent quarterback play, and by competent, I mean a quarterback that just doesn't screw it up. You're in a much better position than people think you are. And you used a great example. San Francisco got to the doorstep. I mm-hmm. think Tennessee shot themselves in the foot against yeah. Cincinnati because Tennessee probably should have been on the doorstep. They were the number one seed in the AFC, and they didn't have Derrick Henry for half the season. Uh, but they I, I wanna, were still I, able to do it. So I, I it, want, it, it, I, it does I, play I, into I, it. I, I want to save that part for the third segment because I do think that – because you know, you talked about history. Let's talk about contemporaries. Let's look at things that – you know. let's talk about teams this year because somebody can say a legitimate argument. Hey, Josh, Chris, come on, man. You're talking about the, the 87, you know, Redskins. Like, who cares about that team? That that era is bygone. You can't you can't win with great defense anymore. Eh, there's, there's a few more teams that, 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 that can. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, that show you that you can. We'll talk about that in the third segment right here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. Stay with us. We'll be right back. 
Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Josh Taylor of KDKA-TV. Now, Josh, you know you started talking about the San Francisco 49ers. They are the model that I think the Steelers could look at. And I wrote about this again. If you want to if you want to read, if you're a person that likes to read things in, in your hands or, you know, go and go through film and stuff. I did a I did a whole article on Carter's, you know, my Carter's classroom column that, that comes out every Wednesday for DK Pittsburgh Sports talking about Mason Rudolph, what he has to do to improve in addition to why it makes sense to at least live with him or a quarterback like him for a year. But in crunching some of those numbers. To me, one of the biggest factors to the Steelers and how they they play they play they, they they need to play is they need to play with quarterbacks who just aren't turning the ball over. It's fine if you don't throw three touchdowns in a game. It's fine if you don't throw for three hundred yards in a game. Ben Roethlisberger did neither of those in any game in twenty twenty one, and they managed a winning record. But when they when when he didn't simply didn't throw an interception, the the team when you look at at how at how they played this this past year. They were seven and one when simply he didn't throw an interception. It wasn't about for Ben. Did you put up a lot of yards? Did you put up a lot of touchdowns? Did you dissect? Did you explode the, the you know against that defense? It was simply did you not make the mistakes that put the defense behind behind the chains or behind the yards that that put them in in hard spots? If you didn't do that, this team had a good chance to win. Similarly, if you look at the previous. You know, two Super Bowl teams the Steelers had when Ben Roethlisberger was either a second year player or a fourth year player. Fourth year fifth year one of those fifth year. um fifth year right uh but point being you look at those years it was the same thing and ben even said it if you go back and you watch the america's game documentary by the way some of my favorite things to watch uh if you go back and you watch the america's game documentary where ben roethlisberger's struggling in the middle of that season and there were back-to-back games against the manning brothers peyton and eli and the steelers you know lost both games at heinz field and in between those two games he threw seven interceptions and he said the thing that he learned from that was I just need to not throw picks. And we're with the way that we're built, we're going to win games. And in 2005, they were eight when they won the Super Bowl the first time in Super 40, they were eight and one when he didn't throw an interception. In 2008, they were eight and oh when he didn't throw an interception. That to me shows you it shows you like, hey, there's there's a track record for you don't need superstardom at quarterback. Because here's the thing Ben was a Hall of Famer, but I'd argue that he wasn't. At his most eliteness in those years, he was he was a clutch quarterback for sure. He came through in those big moments, but he wasn't the dissect you, light you up for five touchdowns type of quarterback until a few years later. Um, after that, um, but you look at that, that that's a formula that can be replicated now. And I brought this up in my Carter's classroom column. Jimmy Garoppolo, he threw four. He never threw for three touchdowns in a single game this past season. On the way to the Niners, making it to the NFC Championship game and coming three points shy. Of, of beating the, the Los Angeles Rams. He threw four games over 300 yards passing, but in those games, they were two and two. Wasn't really a determining factor for how they won games. But you know what was a returning factor when it comes to stats? It's he, they, they, they were, hold on. I want to make sure I'm, I'm not lying here and, and, give, and give you guys the wrong stats, but they were seven and oh when Jimmy Garoppolo simply didn't throw an interception. That's all we're saying Mason Rudolph or whoever does start for the Steelers has to be. You don't have to get three touchdowns a game. You don't got to light them up all over the all over the yard. Just don't make the key mistakes and take what's right there in front of you. And this team could be competitive. I'll I'll take your stats. I'll see your numbers that you had mm-hmm. for a, I think it was just what the the past couple examples that you had. Yes, I'll take it to the last three full seasons of Ben Roethlisberger's career. Mm. The last three full seasons of Ben Roethlisberger's career, when he threw an interception, the Steelers were 12-12-1. When he didn't, they were 18 and four. 
Spark contrast. That's, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the difference between Hall of Fame caliber and being compared to Mason Rudolph. That's the difference. <laughs> and if you want to, you know, try to categorize it. But that's the difference. Like not turning the ball over makes a big difference and helps your team win. Or if you turn it over, lose football games. Why did Tennessee lose the Cincinnati in the playoffs? Because they turned it over at the absolute wrong time. Yep. Why did San Francisco eventually end up losing? Because they turned it over at the wrong time and they failed to secure a takeaway at the absolute wrong time. It, it, it counts to get takeaways and keep the other team from getting them. And that's what kept San Francisco out of the Super Bowl. It, it stands to reason that there is a lot behind this when we're talking about securing the football and making sure you're not turning it over, but also taking it back from the other team when you have the opportunity to. And this is the time where I remind people that 2019 defense was the best in the league at taking the football from the other mm-hmm. team. So that's another thing that comes into play, especially considering the fact the guy who was hired that year to be the secondary coach, guess what? He's a defensive coordinator now. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he likes to emphasize is getting takeaways. So that brings us into even clearer focus when we're talking about this, this I don't want to call it a formula, but there is a criteria that can help you win games, even without a game-breaking quarterback that could just completely light up the field. And, and again, looking at you know contemporary, you know recent teams like you were talking about the Tennessee Titans. They did a great job all year as far as working to get the one seed, and then they fell when Ryan Tannehill threw three interceptions in the playoffs. When he did throw an interception, they were five and six. Or no, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. They were five. They were they were five and four. I apologize. But when they when he did throw an interception, when he didn't throw an interception, they they were seven they were seven and one. It shows you how how uh, they they were a team that wasn't they didn't need Ryan Tannehill to like people. It helped when he did. Like that's why they went and got Julio Jones. That's why they drafted AJ Brown. They they want they want the passing game to work. To make no mistake about that. But that team is at its best when Ryan Tannehill doesn't have to do too much. The run game is working, and the defense is playing well. And the defense for the Titans isn't even that loaded, really, that yet. They're, they're, Bud Dubriha was coming back from injury. I really like Kevin Byers, but they still got to figure things out at corner. And I, and you know, I think uh, you know the guy they got at the defensive tackle, Jeffrey Simmons. I think he's playing, you know, at, at a high level. They they got pieces to build around there. But this is again what we're saying that the Pittsburgh Steelers have to do. This is why we're talking about the Niners and the Titans, the team that, that did this. People that think it's so impossible that the Steelers could compete with a mediocre-looking quarterback next year, I think are missing the point. That if the Steelers really invest, and I know Kevin Colbert said we're not gonna do, we're not gonna break our form from how we signed, you know, free agents this year. That just means that they're not going to, to as Tony and I talked about yesterday. That just means they're not going to, you know, be the first team that's signing people on the very first day. But they're going to be out there looking for guys who can contribute right now and be part of what they're building. You know, I I think it's very possible you see them go out, you get get a top corner, get a linebacker to, to pair with Devin Bush. And this is both free agency and draft. You make that defense a top five, a bona fide top five unit again that's also creating turnovers. And you build an offensive line that not just protects Mason Rudolph or whoever's back there at quarterback, but opens up the lanes for Najee Harris, which is the very reason they drafted him because they saw this coming. And if and they know that what the one of the easiest things that can relieve having a mediocre to bad quarterback is having a running back who comes in to save the day. And I'm not saying that Ben Roethlisberger was a mediocre to bad quarterback, but against the Kansas City Chiefs and the last time the Steelers won a playoff game when they were on the road and are still the only team in NFL history, I believe, to beat Andy Reid coming off a bye week in his own stadium in the playoffs, they did so 
when Le'Veon Bell ran for over 200 yards and Ben Roethlisberger couldn't turn any of them into touchdowns, they were all field goals. But they won that game with defense, and they won that game with the ground game. And that was a team that still, that again, paid a lot of money to get a quarterback, was paying a lot of money for their offensive line. Imagine if you take a team, salary cap-wise, not have to invest that much in the quarterback. You make the defense that much better. You make the offensive line that much better. You have the primary running back. You put yourself in a position to actually compete with people. And again, if you think that that, that was 20, that was 2016, you know, and then in that season, look at the teams this year who were in the playoffs and, and, and you know, considered real threats. The Titans got bounced in, in the divisional round and the, and the Niners being it to the NFC championship game. But neither of them, I think, have the amount of playmakers that are currently on the Steelers defense. And if you added even more, the Steelers defense could be even that much better. I'll, I'll add to this, everything you just mentioned as far as fortifying that defense and fortifying the offensive line to make the running game and the defense better, not only does it put you in better position to win games this upcoming season, but let's fast forward 365 days. If you use the cap space to build up the offensive line, if you're using draft picks to help build up the offensive line and fortify your defense, and I'm throwing this out there from my own personal opinion here, if there's a guy that's out there at 20, Overall, that I think can make this defense better. If that guy's name is Jordan Davis, I am drafting him out of Georgia and adding him to this defense and solving do. a lot of problems with one stroke. Yep. That's one thing I'm thinking. So if you're if you're following along those lines, using draft picks, using the cap space that you have, which by the way, they're gonna have a lot of next season too. So you fast forward 365 days. If you use the cap space that you have this season and the draft picks that you have this season to make the offensive line and defensive line better and fortify this defense and this run game, you're also in a position 365 days down the road. Let's say you're drafting still in the mid to late first round, but there may be a quarterback out there that might be available in the trade. Now you've got a strong enough team that you've got some draft capital to make a deal for a quarterback. Now you're in the position that the Rams were in a year ago. When they draw, when now they you can add the final after. piece mm-hmm. to actually make things work. This is what happens when you have very sound roster management. This is what happens when you draft well and build well through the draft because now you don't have to financially or any other way cripple your franchise just trying to get a quarterback. And I say this a lot. In the NFL, the QB thirst is real. Like it, it's, it's, it's something because there are teams – that are desperate for a quarterback. There are teams that will do anything for a quarterback. I mean, NFL quarterback thirst trapping is true. It's a thing. So you, you gotta be you gotta be cognizant of that. So if we're talking about what we're dealing with now, when they're not in a great draft position to draft a quarterback, and also in a in a draft class that, let's be honest here, this ain't a steak and eggs draft. As far as like, you know, luxury positions as far as quarterback mm-hmm. where you can build. I'm talking about even in the top 10. There's some people that say the quarterback may not go in the top 10 picks. Meanwhile, in 2019, three went in the top six and all three guys are starters now. Mm-hmm. Well, at least one still at least arguably is. But I'm talking about Joe Burrow, uh, Justin Herbert, and Tua Tunga Vailoa. Those guys went in the top six. And they're talking about none going in the top 10. So in a quarterback class that may not necessarily be that strong where the best style comparison is a Joe Burrow light, and that's for Kenny Pickett. Like that's the best style comparison they can find in this draft. And, and not to mention the fact you're not really drafting in the position of advantage at 20 to get a quarterback. This right. is the year where you look for a meat and potatoes draft, and I think mm-hmm. that's what this is. 
lot of guys on offensive line that can help you. A lot of guys with defense that can help you. Some linebackers, some corners that can help you too. This is a meat potatoes trap. Take advantage of that and fortify all that stuff now. Plus, you got cap space to address all the holes that you may not fit. You may not fill in free agency. You might fill some holes in free agency and fill the rest of the draft. And all you need left is a quarterback. In a year from now, you're in a much better position. If let's say, for the sake of argument, mm-hmm. like. If Russell Wilson wasn't traded this year, but maybe he comes available next year. You got the draft capital now to bring somebody like that in here and be the final piece, the crown jewel, if you will, for a pretty well-built roster that can make a run. Or you could you you could trade up in the draft and go get the rookie that you want to be around forever. That if that's too. CJ Stroud, if that's Bryce Young, that's Brennan Armstrong, one of those guys. Because next if year, it's still Dracovic. Oh. <laughs> Look at you try to push them local products on. I, 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 you got you got to play to your home crowd. You got to yeah, play listen, to the crowd. Right. Listen, I, listen, I saw Phil Djokovic launch a, launch a pass against Pitt's defense last year. I think he was like on his own 20, and it got to the other 20. And I, I just hear Boston, even Boston College's writers go like, oh, my God, when did he do that? And I'm like, you don't know who Phil Djokovic is. Uh, but, you know, it, and it's funny, he might be the best Big Ben comparison body-wise. That, that, that I've seen coming, you know, coming into the draft. And again, he'll be part of next year's most likely. Yes, yes. I, I totally, I see what you're doing there, my friend. Um, but point being, you can do all of that and still be competitive this year without yes. wasting that opportunity. And if right. you put, if, if you put a, a, a considerable effort and you succeed, because again, they're not going to hit on all the things they do this offseason. I'm not going to say they're going to sign the perfect corner, the perfect linebacker, the perfect lineman. There's going to be mistakes. There always are in every in every team's efforts. But if you can hit on 80% of them, 75%, 60% of them, you don't want to go 50. That's, that's but if you hit on more, more, more than not, you put yourself in a position where you're allowing yourself to to have that strong that that strong bank uh you know that that, that, that strong foundation what you what you talked about how they had they, they have the foundation because they drafted well they've managed the roster well and, and you know I, I, it's funny i had someone in the comment section of our youtube page recently say i'm so glad kevin colbert's going to be gone he's missed him way too many times and i say let's go back to just 2010 let's just count since 2010 who all the first round picks have been marquis pouncey home run of a pick cameron hayward home run of a pick. David DeCastro, home run of a pick. Jarvis Jones, bust. No problem there. Um, but Ryan Shazier, that's a home run of a pick that just got injured at the wrong time. If Ryan Shazier was, Shazier was still playing for the Steelers, he might be everyone's favorite Stealer, and that might be the best defense in the NFL. And um, the defense would be so much better. It, 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 he, was, he was stringing together the 2017 and 2016 defenses by himself. He was um, the playmaker on those teams. Exactly. 2015, not a home run in Bud Dupree, but I'd say a double. A, a guy who developed yeah. into a premier pass rusher and Good went on to became, he, he, and and he get he became paid because people people wanted him bad. Now 2016, bust Artie Burns. 2017, super duper home run in TJ Watt. 2018, Terrell Edmonds. You can, some people call him bust. I think he's a decent player, and I think that for what they needed at the year at tw- with the 28th overall pick, I, I get why they they got him. But let's just let's just say he's a bust. I don't think he is, but let's just say he is. He was better when he was better than he got credit for. And I think that was the fact that you just have some people that come up with opinions that have no idea what they're watching for. Exactly. But I, I'll say that uh, Terrell Evans was at least a solid base hit. He wasn't a home run, but he was at least I'll, a base I'll hit. I'll say a, a single, I think, is a very good way to put yeah, it. That's what but, I do. 
I, I think it's too early to gauge the others, Devin Bush and uh, and, and Najee Harris, even though the 2020 yes. first round pick is really Minka Fitzpatrick because that's what they used to, to get him. Exactly. You got so in in those picks, you got what six home runs in Pouncey, DeCastro, Hayward, uh, Shazier, Watt, and Minka. Six home runs to two busts, a double, and a single. It's a pretty doggone good batting average for Kevin. That's Cole a good decade. It's a, a damn so, good decade. And, and so I would trust that front office that still has Kevin Colbert. And I, I think the, the successor for, for his job is already there in Brandon Hunt. I would trust that brain, that, that brain trust to say, hey, you're going to do well in this offseason and hit on the important moves this year when we give you more capital than you've ever had in your in your history here to be to make free agent moves to make the defense you want and make the offensive line you want. And you'll have those draft picks. And then next year, if it is Brandon Hunt at, court, at GM, you get to find figure out who the quarterback is for the future. And the free agency moves should make it a little bit easier to figure out what you're going to do in the draft. Absolutely. It kind of narrows down that scope because when you're picking at 20, you're you're left at the mercy of the board, first of all. Mm-hmm. That, that's because usually you, you start to see the quality of player begin to drop right before or right after the 20th pick. As right. far as guys that are first-round picks and guys that probably could go in the second round, but there's nowhere else for that team to go. So that that's you're, you're really there at the cusp, if you mm-hmm. will. So if we're talking about that situation – what they do in free agency will not only make it easier for them to figure out what they're going to do in the draft, it kind of makes it easier for us to figure out what they might do in the draft. So exactly. that's, that's a thing too, because if we see them maybe shore up the defensive line or shore up the offensive line with some of that free agent cap space, or maybe even sign a corner or maybe even a safety. Now we know where that first round pick is, because it's probably going to be with the one that they didn't address. So let's say they go offensive line, corner and safety and free agency. Well, that might leave defensive line as a possibility, and maybe that gives my 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 wish pick at Jordan Davis at 20. Or if they go defensive line, you know, safety and offensive line, well, maybe that leaves a corner that's available that might be a pretty good first-round pick, and there's a lot of good corners in this draft. It, it should help you at least. It may not help you exactly pinpoint what they're going to do, mm-hmm. but it'll at least, you know, do a lot more as far as process of elimination to help you figure out what they could do and how they can make this team better with that 20th overall pick. One thing that I always argue every year when people are talking about, oh, the Steelers can't get who they really want at the pick that they have. You know, there's, you always have, every draft class has different hits that you can make, different guys that will be, that will contribute to your team. It is your job as a front office to make it work with the different position groups that you think might fall to you. Now, I'm going to talk more in depth with this about with Jenna Harner about this tomorrow because we're, we're running out of we're pretty much out of time here. But I want to point out that if the Steelers keep their pick at 20, if they don't trade back, they don't even need to trade up. You're talking about say two or three teams draft a quarterback. Okay, two or three spot, two or three spot, two two or three teams are out of the equation there. You're going to have at least three edge rushers and Thibodeau, Hutchinson, and uh, Karlaftis off off the board as well. So now you're talking Agreed. six of those picks done. You're going to talk about Derek Stingley Jr. and uh, and Andrew Booth Jr. off the board. Kyle Hamilton off the board. Safeties and cornerbacks, that's nine picks that are off the board. Offensive tackles, I.K. McQuanyu, Evan Evan O'Neill. I can see those guys flying off the board. And maybe even Charles Kloss. Now you're talking about 12 picks off the board. So offensive tackles are gone. Maybe Jordan Davis is gone. 
maybe you know maybe maybe Chris Olave's gone you know but you start you start getting down to okay who's going to be available and then you start getting to the range of you you'd have a shot at an at a guard like Kenyon Green you'd still have a shot at a Tyler Lindenbaum even if he's gone even if he's gone but eventually someone in that caliber that you're going to be like ooh if only we could get that guy will fall to you in that position and maybe it'll be a quarterback maybe it'll be a cornerback maybe it'll be an offensive tackle maybe it'll be a guard center linebacker maybe Devin Lloyd's another guy that I think could be in that range of if, if people just keep passing on him maybe he'll fall low enough and and then he becomes your your linebacker you pair with Devin Bush you know that puts you in a really really good spot to get one of those guys at 20 which I think the Steelers can do and again Josh, we're just talking about team building so that they this this guy can learn what it's like to be around these other guys. I think the Steelers have a core of uh, of good young leaders and Minka and you know and TJ and older leaders like Cam. This could be a really good opportunity for the Steelers to set a brand new tone going into the rest of this decade. It it, it I love how you mentioned it because it I heard people say that this team lacked leadership, and I'm going. You know, Cam Hayward's been here a decade, right? right. That's right. a guy who sets the tone from the moment he walks in the room. I always That was just always puzzling to me. But this is one of the, and this is going to sound strange, but this is one of the benefits of having so many holes to fill and so many needs. Because you might not have the one you want filled in the first round, but there's a couple other ones that still might. So it, it may not even be the position that we're looking at as long as they fill a need. Because right now I can think of, what, a half dozen altogether between both sides of the ball? They could probably fill with that first round pick. So it doesn't even have to be that they won that they want. Okay, so if it's not Jordan Davis, like I kind of hope it is, they could they still might do it on offensive line, like you mentioned. They might still do it at corner. They might still do it at, at, at maybe another place as far as linebacker. There are still situations where they might find their guy. It just may not be at the position that, you know, a person might want or expect compared to someone else. Someone else might think it's an offensive tackle and they 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 get the guy that they want. It just it's going to come down to what other teams are doing. There are 19 choices that have to happen ahead of them. There's something else to think about, Chris. There are a handful of teams that have multiple picks. So that's another thing that mm. becomes a, a situation here. Because I want to see there's a couple that have two and there's one that has three. So the keep that in mind, too. The Eagles have three. So And there's a couple of teams that have two. So keep that in mind, too, because other teams are going to try to check off their lists. Mm-hmm. That might help the Steelers because a team might be weaker in a different situation or in a different position, and they're trying to fortify that. So the guy the Steelers need might always be there. So just never just assume the board's going to go a certain way, and those teams having multiple picks, that could lead to trades too. So a lot of things can change if one trade happens. And I'm going to remind people with just one story. Remember, if one team didn't decide to not listen to the guy they drafted number one overall when he said, I'm not coming to play for you, Maybe Ben Roethlisberger's not a stealer. Because if San Diego listened to Eli Manning and said, look, I'm not coming to play for you, maybe things, the dominoes fall a little bit different. Maybe that guy that, you know, didn't want to play somewhere else. Let's say Eli Manning did want to go play at San Diego. That means the Giants get Ben Roethlisberger. Yep. Because the guy they wanted was Eli Manning. If they couldn't get him, they wanted Roethlisberger. So the board might dictate things differently for you. The guy might fall that you want, or if something changes or a trade happens, everything can change with one phone call. So don't discount anything. Just as long as you're filling holes that this roster needs filled, and there's more than a couple, they focus on filling those holes, and it'll be okay.
Absolutely. Josh, we're way over our time, but I thank you so much always. for always. We, yeah, we do this all the time. It's just like, it's like I know I know I'm about to get an email that says, Chris, your locked on shows are too long. I'm very sorry. But uh, thank you, Josh, for coming on the show. It's always your pleasure to have you. Let people, let people know they can find you, follow you, and get more of your work. Josh Taylor HD. Um, pick a platform and put the name in there. You'll probably find me. He's awesome because he does so many things. Thanks, Josh. You're a treasure to have here. I'm Chris Carter of the Locked On Steelers podcast. Thank you so much for for listening or watching the show. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Odyssey. You can watch us on YouTube. Like the video if you enjoyed it. Subscribe to the YouTube channel for all of our daily content. And if you want to help us out more, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with a positive comment. When you do both, you get a shout-out at the end of the show. Like this person who said, who Mercy and Grace 325 X Game says X Game Mode Podcast says awesome stuff. P.S. Steelers are my team, and they should trade for Trey Lance. Whoa, whoa, where's the Grace? What are we doing there? Oh, 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 we're trying to break the we're trying to break the matrix right there. We that's another story for another day. We we've talked way too much. But thank you, Mercy and Grace, for your five star review and positive comment. We got one more coming tomorrow. So if you want yours to add to the list, be sure to add, add it. But thanks again. I'm Chris Carter. Follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Carter Critiques. We'll be back tomorrow with Jenna Harner from WPXI, wrapping up the week with our Friday episode of the Locked On Steelers podcast.